We're going to read this morning from the book of John. Uh, and I'll just start off simply by reading the text. It's uh, the book of John, chapter 7, beginning at verse 37. We'll read three verses. Uh, this is about Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was a really good communicator. He, he was able to use analogies and images in a very effective way to explain what he's talking about. I mean, who doesn't hear this word about rivers of living water from our innermost being and think, I want that? I mean, who doesn't know what it's like to be thirsty? I mean, raise your hand. Have you been thirsty before in your lives? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody, I think, in here whose shoulder is functioning, raise their hand. <laughs> We've all been thirsty. This is how Jesus teaches. He comes to us where we are and explains things like we can understand. Great spiritual realities that are really mind-blowing when you think about it. He's able to explain in ways we can, we can get it. Because we've all been thirsty. I always think of the same thing when I think about thirsty. Uh, some of you may have seen this. It was years ago. A Saturday Night Live skit with Will Ferrell. And it was a mock commercial for Gatorade. It was a new Gatorade flavor. And so it shows Will Ferrell playing basketball out on a, on a basketball court. It's always 10 degrees hotter on asphalt on a summer day outside. He's sweating, he's playing hard, and he sits down, and the voiceover is talking about how you've got to quench your thirst if you want to play like a champion. He grabs his new Gatorade flavor, and the new flavor is cookie dough. And so he turns it up, and he squeezes out this nasty cookie dough, and he looks so hot, and he's drinking cookie dough. And it's just the most disgusting thing. I always think about that, or I think about um, the three amigos, where the three of them are riding in the desert, and they're all really thirsty, and... Um, I think Steve Martin tries his, and it's just one drip comes out, and uh, Martin Short tries his, and sand comes out all into his mouth, and it looks so hot, and the Chevy Chase is over there, he's chugging his. He has so much extra, he throws it on the ground. He has the chapstick. You guys may not even have even seen these. But this is what I always think about when I think of thirst, and I've been really thirsty, so I know what he's talking about. He's talking about thirst and water, things that, that we can understand. Um, now this, notice at the beginning, this is actually for an illustration, but I might drink some too. Um, <laughs> notice at the beginning, he says, now on the last day of the great day of the feast. It's talking about something called the Feast of Booths or, or Tents. This is a week when Israel would come together and they would live in these like leaf shelters as a reminder of how God provided for them when they wandered in the wilderness. I'm, I may be losing some of you, but if you'll remember... A long time ago, when, when God brought his people out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And they were out there, and God provided their food. He also provided their water. And so during this Feast of Booths, they made a big deal about bringing out the water. They didn't just, just pass out Kirkland Signature or spring water. They got their big golden bucket or whatever it was, and they brought it out with great ceremony. And the provision of water was a big deal. And then Jesus stands up, and says, hey, if anybody's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. So this isn't just some nice hallmark 
verbiage here, he's trying to say something really deep. Do you think he's talking about real water? Physical water? No, it's Jesus 101 here. He's never talking about physical water. When he was talking to the woman at the well and she's drawing water, and he said to her, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water. And she's, or no, she says, yeah, I have water and you'll never thirst again. And she's like, man, where can I get that water? That'd be great. He's never talking about just water. He's talking about something spiritual. He's never just talking about physical thirst. He's talking about something spiritual. Now, I know we don't all think in spiritual terms all week long in our, in our normal lives. But we need to sink down into this passage and figure out what he's talking about. When he talks about spiritual thirst. And spiritual water. Do any of you think that you may have at any point in your lives felt spiritually thirsty? Like something's just lacking? Like you're just craving something and it's on a deeper level than any material thing can satisfy. You're not physically hungry or thirsty. You don't know what it is. You, you, maybe you try to quench this thirst with entertainment, just something to get your mind off of it. Maybe you pour yourself into some diversion, something good, like your family maybe, or your career. You're trying to satisfy some thirst. You can't quite put your finger on it. But you're thirsty. Humans are just, we naturally have a spiritual thirst. We're perpetually dissatisfied people. This is the thirst Jesus is getting at. If anyone is thirsty spiritually, if anyone is feeling that something is just missing, they need something that can come to him. So I wonder if any of you are feeling thirsty this morning. I wonder if any of you have come here hoping, maybe, to get some satisfaction. Because what does water do for the thirsty? It satisfies, it refreshes, it enables life. Some of us feel like we are spiritually dehydrated. And we need satisfaction and refreshment and something to enable some spiritual life in us. And here we are. And for you graduates, you're graduating into a thirsty world. And you're going to be thirsty people. And there's going to be plenty of things out there saying, I'll quench your thirst. Pour yourself and your time and energy into me. But when you get to the bottom of those barrels and you find that you're still thirsty, remember Jesus' words. If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me. What is the solution that he provides here in verse 37? I mean, 38. In 37, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Basically, two things. Go to Jesus and drink. Seems simple enough. Nothing Jesus says is ever as simple as it first seems. Because what does it mean to come to Jesus anyway? Now, I need to point out something right now. Jesus did not say, if anyone's thirsty, come to church. There's a big difference between Jesus and church. I know that seems obvious, but we need to dwell on that a little bit. You have church and you have Jesus. Here Jesus did not say, go to a religious gathering and your thirst will be quenched. Remember, he's at a religious gathering. He's at the festival of the booths where they're all remembering what God did. They're basically at a church gathering. And it's there that he calls out, okay, you guys are at a religious gathering, but if you're thirsty, come to me. So there's something different. Going to church is not necessarily going to Jesus. Going to church is not necessarily going 
to Jesus. I mean, what is church anyway? I've been really wrestling with this. Some of you know, I, I really want us to be a pleasing thing to God. What is it anyway? When you say, when I tell my son, often I'm going to church. And now he's got to the point, he's like, oh man, why do you always have to go to church? Because I'm always leaving going to church. I mean, just like you fathers are always leaving going to work or wherever you go. So when I say I'm going to church, or when you say that, what do you mean? You're coming to Doolin's Grove? Is, is anything beyond the church sign with Doolin's Grove on it? Is that now the church? Or is it the building? Is it this red carpet I'm standing on? Is this the church? What is the church? I think you all know it's pretty obvious that the church isn't the building. If Doolin's Grove, the structure burned down this week, we'd still have Doolin's Grove, the gathering of people. So is the church our, our membership list of people? Have a trick question. No, I don't think it is. Because I've said this before, not everybody on that membership list is a Christian. See, Jesus said, he didn't say go to church. He said, come to me. You know, in the Bible, the church is called the bride of Christ. The church, those who believe in Jesus are, are his bride, that group of people. And maybe you've heard the phrase, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Isn't that how it goes? I haven't heard that in a while. I used to be like on shows and stuff a lot. <laughs> always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I fear that many in our churches are going to live their lives as the bridesmaid, here for the church, but never be the bride, never be here for Christ. It's a big difference. It's a big difference between loving the church and loving Jesus. It's a big difference between loving the bride and loving the groom. You know, I got married to Meredith and we had three groomsmen and bridesmaids. And those bridesmaids knew me as the groom, but our relationship was not the same as it was with my wife Meredith. It's different. It's different. So what is the church? Is, is the church where you go to get Jesus? It's another tricky question. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. You can't go to church to get Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says. You go to Jesus and then become the church. You can't go to church to get Jesus. You go to Jesus to become the church. Does that make sense? It's a very important distinction. You don't go to a building here, become a member, and start doing stuff, and then get Jesus. You go to Jesus. He transforms your entire life, and you become his bride. You become the church. If you're thirsty, go to Jesus. And I think that lots of us, we go to church. We go to church. That's what we do. That's our, that's our spiritual thing. We go to church. But you can go to church your whole life and never go to Jesus. Right. I just have to make sure we see clearly here. You don't go to a place called church and find Jesus there. You go to a man named Jesus and he transform you, transforms you into the church. 
Now, attendance will probably drop dramatically next week because you guys will think I mean never come to a church service. That's not what I mean. This is a gathering, ideally, of people who are in love with Jesus. A gathering of, of the people that make up his bride that he's going to come and marry one day. And you can say I'm going to church. I'm still going to say that because that's what everybody knows what that means. I'm going over to the Dolan's Grove facility. But just know in your mind what you mean. Church isn't some place you go. It's something you are. So maybe some of us here have been going to church for years and decades. And we are in it up to our necks. And we're involved. And yet we're still thirsty. And we can't figure out why. Our calendars are full of church stuff. And we're still thirsty. Why? Maybe it's because we're going to church And Satan is so subtle with his lies. And we believe that going to church equals going to Jesus. It doesn't. Now you come here and you hear his word. And you see Jesus in that. That's where we're headed. To make that make sense. Okay. So Jesus says, come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me, Jesus. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Does everybody know what it means to drink? Should I bring someone up to show what it means to drink? Actually, I want some of this, so I'm going to show you what it means to drink. Now, what I'm doing right now, is this drinking? I mean, I'm really close to this water bottle here, and there's water in it, and I'm holding it. Is that good enough? Is that going to take care of my thirst? What if I talk about it a lot? Got water here. I love water. Water's awesome. Imagine, I used to play tennis. I would love to be able to say, I play tennis. But I have to be honest, I used to play tennis. And like I said earlier, it's about 10 degrees hotter on a sunny summer day on an asphalt tennis court than it is off the court. So we would play, and I was younger, so I could play for like six hours in the heat and be fine. But I'd be thirsty. I'd be very, very thirsty. And we'd take a break between sets or between games, and we'd all get our water. Now, imagine we're all sitting around with our water and we just brag on our water. Man, I got this water. It's so refreshing. It's awesome to have water. You need water. Do you have, have you found water? You need to get some water. This water is great. All right, let's go back and play. And never open it and drink it. There's a difference between holding it, between loving it, talking about it, and opening up and drinking it. And yes, I am going to drink some because I am very thirsty. It's different. Jesus never said, you know, associate with things with my name on it. He never said, you know, carry me around, talk about me. Drink is different. It's it's taking it in. It's letting yourself absorb this thing we call Jesus. And I know how abstract this all is. I know it's hard to wrap your minds around. I'm hoping to make it clear by the end. Come to Jesus and drink. If you're thirsty, this is your solution. Now, what does that mean? Really? Because Jesus isn't like sitting right here. He's not a physical presence here in this room. So what does it mean for you and me to to go to Jesus and drink? Well, I think he clarifies it for us us in the next verse. If you read there, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then in 38, he says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in me. 
Now, he could have said, he who comes to me from his innermost being will flow rivers of water. Or he could have said, he who drinks of me from his innermost being will flow rivers of water. But instead, he says, he who believes in me from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I think believing sums up what he means by come and drink. I think that's what he's getting at. To come to Jesus, to see him in his word, to see him for who he is, and to just take it in. His promises, absorb them and believe them. His commands, absorb them and prayerfully rearrange your life around them. The truths he puts out there, absorb them and make that a permanent part of your your worldview. If you're thirsty, come to Jesus and drink. And what I mean by that is believe. Whoever believes in Him, as the Scripture said, from His innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And I know, like me, this was very convicting to me, by the way. Like me, when you first read that or hear that, you think, I believe. I I believe. I don't read something Jesus says and think, oh, he's lying or anything like that. But do we really believe? For instance, when Jesus teaches, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, your provision. God provides for the wildlife. He's going to provide for you. Instead, seek my kingdom. I think we've all heard that passage a good bit. Do we believe that? What would someone look like who believed that? Well, they wouldn't be worried about financial stuff, would they? No, they'd be seeking his kingdom first and all that stuff would be being added to them. Or when Jesus says, go, you, go, make disciples. That's your job. Go make disciples. And don't worry about it because I'll be with you always. Do we believe those words? Or do we just say, that's neat, Jesus. I love that Jesus. But then just totally ignore it with our lives. I mean, and, and this is for me. I mean, you know, I'm the pastor. You would think that I'd have this stuff down. But, you know, as I was studying this, I realized I substitute activity for belief. I substitute busyness for belief. And I'm afraid as a church we might be prone to that. I think a lot of churches are. Instead of being a body of vibrant people who love and believe everything Jesus said and cling to his promises, who instead of worrying and and anxiety and depression and everything, when that stuff comes, we cling to Jesus. It's easy to instead be a group of people who just do a bunch of stuff. And if we're not careful... All the stuff that we're doing is just going to be its going to be like training wheels on our life. And we're never going to learn how to just be. We're never going to learn how to just believe. And you can build a thriving church around activities. But miss this piece. Believing in Jesus. And I don't want that for us. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my family. I don't want us to be exhausted all the time. I don't want church to be... Another thing on our to-do list. I don't want us just to come together and do stuff. That's one of my greatest fears as a pastor. We're just going to be a group of people that come together and do stuff. And I praise God for the for the 
rivers of living water that I do sense in our congregation. But I'm concerned about areas where I really think people have decided that I'm never going to be able to believe this stuff. So instead, I'm just going to do this stuff. It's subtle what I think happens. And I'm drawn to a close here. If a group of people or a family or even a person at some point is committed to Jesus Christ as the truth, the way, the life, but then slowly starts to disbelieve in things he says, A, they will not experience the rivers of living water. They'll just be thirsty people. And then the next thing that will happen is they'll start to act. They'll start to act as though they're not thirsty. Like they have to protect a myth or something. Like this stuff isn't true. That we have to act like we got it all together in the church. And people see through that and then people just don't believe at all. They think Christians are just pretending. I think we need to scale back some layers of pretending. Just believe. And this still is abstract. And I know that it is. But thankfully he goes on and describes more specifically what he's talking about. These rivers of living water that will flow from from our innermost being. It says, He spoke this of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And I know my time is going to be running short here, but it seems so abstract, but He's talking about something very real. The Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. I think the best way to, to, to maybe to make this clear and practical, let me just sort of cast a little vision here for what this might look like for you. If by the grace of God, he makes this all make sense to you in the next couple minutes. Okay, some of you may be thirsty in some area of your life. For example, we'll just say maybe it's in the area of your family. Something is just bad there, something's just off there. Maybe you can't even put your finger on it, maybe everything looks great. There's nothing particularly wrong, but something's just wrong there, and you know it, and you're thirsty there. And because of that, you kind of dread going home, maybe. Or, or you, you find distractions when you're home rather than just talking to your family, you do other stuff. Okay, so let's just say, hypothetically, you go home, and you've heard this sermon. And you think, okay, I'm thirsty. Go to Jesus and drink. Where do I do that? How do I do that? Here, this is where we have Jesus revealed to us. So, you've never been much for it, but you are going to start reading your Bible. You've got to try something. You're sick of this thirsty life. You don't even know where to start. You, you get on Google and you're like, where do I start reading my Bible? You find a reading plan. Maybe it's a year reading plan. It's uh, May something now. So, you just start with the January 1st reading today and you just start. Or even better, you just decide, I'm just going to start at the beginning. Genesis 1-1. Tomorrow morning, you wake up a little bit earlier than normal. And you're tired, and you get your coffee going, and you drink your coffee, and your eyes are just open enough to read a bit. You don't necessarily get any big whoop-de-doo thing. God doesn't hand you some big energy stick or something. You read a little bit. You go through your day. You can't forget about it. That night before bed, you get in your bed and you open up to the beginning of the New Testament and you read a little bit of Matthew. It's a genealogy. And you're like, what is that talking about? But you read it. And your spouse sits down beside you and says, what are you doing? 
Since when are you, Mr. Super Spiritual? And you say, get off the back. I'm thirsty. <laughs> and you go to sleep. No big, great magic thing has happened. The next day, you do the same thing. You just read a little bit. The next day, you read a little bit. The next week, you, you miss a day or two here or there. You feel kind of guilty. But you get back on. And basically, you cultivate a lifestyle of coming to Jesus and His Word. Some things stick. Most things don't make any sense. You just keep going. Now, over time, you keep this up. Eventually, you miss a day. You don't feel guilty, but you feel like, man, I really, really want to catch up. I want to get back into the Word. Again, you're not, you're not catching everything. You're, you're catching some things. You're starting to figure out how your Bible works, you know, what these different books are. And then months go by, and you start to notice something almost imperceptible. There's fruit growing in your life. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is starting to grow in your life. Has anybody heard of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I mention it almost every sermon. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness is in there, self-control. You start to notice some of this fruit growing in your life. How does fruit grow anyway? You don't see it just, just be there. You can't see it. It just over time happens. So let's say for, for three years, four years, you've been soaking, sinking your roots down into the Scripture, coming to Jesus daily and drinking it in. You never saw some big thing happen. But you look back and you see, man, I am way more loving toward my spouse now than I was four years ago. What happened? Or man, I, I do not fall off the handle at my kids like I used to. What happened? There's fruit there in your life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says you'll have rivers of living water from your innermost being, he says plainly, he's talking about the Spirit. And this is the kind of work the Spirit does in our lives. I think we give up too quick on reading our Bibles. We try to come to Jesus in our Bible. I know I've done it and you've done it. And it's like, I did it. Now, where's my big life change? Well, give it some time. I mean... You don't plant a tree and it gets one drop of water and it just, bam, just huge. No, it's slow and it soaks that in. It drinks it in daily. If you look at some of your Bibles, if you look at the little footnotes, you'll see that there's another possible translation for this verse. I flipped away from it now. But where I read, come to me and drink, it could be translated, keep coming to me and keep drinking. Keep coming to me and keep drinking. And it'll be like one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Psalm 1. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, meaning God's word. And in his law he meditates day and night. He soaks it in his mind day and night. Listen to this promise. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields his fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Rivers of living water from your innermost being. Belly is literally what that means, from your belly. Which, interestingly, is probably where the thirst originates from. I think it's interesting that from the place of your thirst, God 
sticks the Holy Spirit in there, and rivers of water start to flow, living water. It's hard to stop a river. The promise is this. If we will allow our thirst to take us to Jesus, in quiet time, soaking in His Word, as a lifestyle, not just you go out of here and after lunch you read a verse and then you get disappointed that God didn't bring about explosive rivers of light. If we will let our thirst drive us into this book and soak it in, keep coming back, keep drinking, that we will, it's a promise, we can trust it, we will have rivers of living water from our innermost being. And the fruit of the Spirit will grow. And we can be vibrant people. My hope for you guys and for myself is that we will that we'll stop going to church, that we'll start going to Jesus and thus become the church. I want each of you, I don't just want your thirst to be satisfied. I want it to be replaced with a fountain of living spiritual water, the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to pray that for us right now. And I pray that this made some sense. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that we have Jesus, that we can go to him. Teach us how to go to Jesus, to drink him in, and to believe. Not just to hear it, but to believe. When we see commands, help us to believe that you meant that. And that it's for our good and to live it. When we see promises, help us to believe them. Well, I pray that everybody in here would just be set free. That everybody in here would just go to you in their word today, tomorrow, this week. Lord, may the fruit of the Spirit, these rivers of living water, may they come out quickly in our lives because we are so weak and we are so lazy and we just don't want to read. We don't want to take the time. Now, we need your grace. But Lord, please, please, please do not let this group of people come together to go to church. Please teach us how to come together and as individuals, as individual, go to you, go to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.